Today, we're going to look at engaging Jesus. Um, and I would say it this way. I would think the best way to, to articulate it would be, that, you know, our posture in his presence. So I love music. Uh, I was a radio DJ for a short time. I've also been a worship pastor in my past. I've been connected to music my whole life. I'm really actually quite impressed with not enamored with the fact that you can get a whole lot of story in just a few syllables. Like think about radio songs, most radio songs, three and a half, four minutes long, they might have two or three verses, and then a chorus, which is a hook, which is repeated, but in the verses, they tell this incredible story. One of my favorite songs of all time is a song called The Kindness of Strangers by Radney Foster, because it paints an incredible picture in only 163 syllables. Today, we're going to look at five verses in the book of Luke. In those five verses, depending upon what translation you're looking at, it'll be anywhere from like 153 to 168 syllables. And in that, we will see dynamic encouragement on what it looks like to receive from Jesus. So if you would, please, man, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be in verses 33, uh, 38 excuse me, through 42. Uh, and again, man, I'll always, you know, uh, I encourage you if you actually have a paper Bible to open that up, um, or you can use your phone, certainly, if you would like to, you can just Google search Luke chapter 10. Uh, I like to put my phone on airplane mode and just kind of find myself completely physically and spiritually in this space as we spend some time together this morning. But Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible this morning. Uh, typically, I teach out of the New Living Translation. Uh, but I'm not like tethered to any one particular translation. I like this one because it will have the most syllables. Um, <laughs> don't fat check me on that. The, the message might actually have more. But um, this one is, this, this Bible is intended to have like all the potential connected actual meanings of the original Greek words. So let's read together uh, as we begin. So now while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving and her responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do this serving alone? Will you please tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. Only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage. And it will not be taken from her. Now, there are three key people in this story, right? Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Uh, there are about one or two verses that are dedicated to each person uh, throughout the story. So I want us to look at each person, look at the verses that apply specifically to them, and draw a few takeaways uh, for us relationally as we connect with Jesus. We're also going to see uh, some hints, like some sprinkles of some ways that we can relate well with each other as well. So first, let's take a look at Martha. Martha, she's in verse 38 and verse 40. 
looking at verse 38 again first. It says, now while they were on their way, Jesus entered the village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, if you've studied this story in the past, um, if you're familiar, perhaps you've heard a sermon on it before, it's not uncommon for, like, Martha to be the bad guy, Mary to be the good guy, right? Martha's getting it wrong, Mary's getting it right. Um, but I, I want to stress something here in verse 38 that Martha has done incredibly well. And that is, Martha extends one of the kingdom's greatest kindnesses, hospitality. Now, I actually could spend like the rest of the morning just talking about hospitality because of the incredible gesture of genuine love available in this gift. But I just want to do a couple of quick quotes that I found in reading about it to kind of touch our hearts before we move on. Hospitality is the practice of welcoming, sheltering, and feeding with no thought of personal gain. Those who come to your door. Much more than elegant menus, elaborate table settings, or lavish entertainment, hospitality is sharing what we have and who we are with whomever God sends. The most important gift of welcome simply says, I care, I love you, and I have prepared a place for you. My hope is that this place only continues to grow in our expressions of hospitality to each other and to anyone who might happen in our doors or on our property. How wonderful would it be for strangers, friends, cousins from out of town to come into our collective midst and sense and know from us and from the Lord, I care, I love you, I have prepared a place for you. Again, I could spend a lot of time here, we're not going to, we're going to move on, all right? Um, let's look at verse 40. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Will you please tell her to help me and do her part? You see that I've highlighted and italicized two different sections of verse 40. Um, I think it's pretty easy for us to identify with the words busy and distracted. And it's always been the case, but especially now. Um, so last week, we always have a, a moment of prayer before service, um, and it's, you know, it's open prayer. So we have five or six of us in the room, and anyone that wants to pray can pray. We have a beginner and an ender, and uh, the ender last week was Michael. And it was so cool, man, because like one, full, one person prayed, and another person prayed, and another person prayed, and then there was this like pause, and then there was this longer pause. And like the leader in me and the like, we got to get out of the room and get on with the show in me and like everything. And he was like, with a little bit of curiosity, like, what's he going to, how long are we going to sit here? How long are we going to do this? And what was beautiful was, and then like that shifted to, oh, it's totally okay to just be here. 
And I found myself in this space where it's like, cool, Lord. Whatever you have to say, whatever you want to impart, I'm ready to receive. And it was difficult because I am so used to being busy and distracted, right? And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left? I mean, this whole thing, right? She has picked up an offense. Like, so... A couple of things you go like, it says that she left Martha, which means likely at some point she was helping, but now she's not. Um, but Martha is upset. And not only is she upset, like, as she, I want you to see this too, she approaches Jesus. So she goes to Jesus, but she doesn't go to Jesus with an open hand, she goes to Jesus with a to-do list. Would you please? It actually like affects the way that she prays. Like, bring justice, Lord, as I, the judge, have commanded. I mean, like, there's this, this thing. She actually is, like, embittered. And so as we read that, here's, here's the one takeaway that I kind of want to sit in our hearts this morning. Let's be mindful, even vigilant, and not allow our ambitions or our ideas or the things that we put in our schedules to distract us from his presence. Let's not be so busy that we have no room for him. Nor do we let our ambitions, our ideas, our perspectives embitter our hearts toward each other. That is like the great learning point that we can gain from this verse in Martha. Let's not be busy and distracted. Let's approach Jesus open-handed, ready to receive, as opposed to uh, asking perhaps for a particular bias or perspective. Jesus, verses 41 and 42. And I'm going in this order on purpose because I do want to finish with Mary. So here are Jesus' verses in 41 and 42. The Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. Remember, only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part that will, it's to her advantage. And it will not be taken from her. As we look at relationally engaging Jesus, I mean, there are some actions here that will help us know what to anticipate from him. And there's also some counsel that will help us. The first action is this. He does not condemn, but rather he honors and invites. So Martha does come to him distressed, perhaps annoyed, frustrated, looking for justice, looking for, you know, what her just desserts, whatever it is, right? Jesus doesn't match her emotionally. Um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that he doesn't raise his voice because we know that in the context of the original Greek, he's repeating her name in a kind and endearing way. And even in that, even in Martha's edge and sharpness and abruptness, Jesus is able to receive 
with kindness and invitation. And he says, like, Martha, Martha, what Mary has, Mary's choice is a good choice. So he honors Mary. And it will not be taken from her, which means this is going to stay the way it's going to stay. But in that, there's this interesting invitation. You're welcome to join us. And that's what's so fun is that the story ends there. So we don't know what happens. But I do want to be clear, like, that is a clear invitation. Like, what's happening here in this space is going to continue to happen. He also welcomes all. Everyone is invited to his table. And this is super important. Um, I, I'm sure maybe you've heard before, if not, like, like Luke, the Gospel of Luke champions women more than any other gospel. Not only that, uh, obviously it was certainly more common for rabbis to have men as their disciples. Jesus turned that on its ear quickly and does so here as he walks into the home of two women and welcomes them as disciples. So we see in that context and in a greater context, like, like Jesus doesn't like arm bar anyone, nor should we. A couple of things to notice from a teaching standpoint. Don't let the work for God replace time with God. Don't let work for God replace time with God. I mean, this is so easy. In like weird ways. Like, if I'm not careful, like quiet time or daily devotions, like that can seem like work. Like that's a thing I need to do as opposed to an appointment to keep. Right? So, like, don't let work for God replace time with God. So basically, what I see Jesus telling Martha here is, like, if you do that, all of the preparation of the meal, without this, a moment with me, you're missing it. You can do a whole lot of that and not have any of this and miss it. Not only that, he emphasizes that Mary isn't missing it and that this moment is more important than a meal. And like, it's beautiful because Jesus doesn't say, oh, Martha, you're right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mary, will you please? He doesn't shoo her away. And he also doesn't say, okay, okay, Martha, you're right. You're right. This can wait. Nope. Jesus prioritizes this space. Jesus loves this space. He wants to be there. Like that is priority number one to him. It's priority number one to Mary. And he's not going to shift those priorities at all. Like our can we all agree moment this morning I would say is, man, can we all agree that we need to hear from Jesus? I, I need to hear from Jesus. I can tell myself a lot of mean things. I can read a lot of mean things on the internet. I, there's just so much for me to soak up. But, man, it's just, 
mission critical to hear from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of all things, the lover of all things, the one who knows the value of all things, and to allow myself time to be in his presence, receiving what he has for me. That's the second thing that Jesus teaches, man, is that we need time in his presence. We do. We, we, we need it. There's only one thing that is needed. There's only one thing that is necessary, and it will not be taken from Mary. So I have a question for all of us this morning. What do you need to do this week? Now that sounds like, oh, that's so cute and clever, blah, blah. Like, obviously, like, there are some things that immediately come to mind, right? But you're not going to put food on there. And you need to eat. You're not going to put, oh, i got to breathe. Breathing, and you, and you got to breathe. I mean, that's, that's got to happen. And so there is like this basic, deep need that we have to be in Jesus' presence, receiving from him, and not really like dictating what happens in the moment. Perhaps open Bible, open calendar, open moment, open journal, pen in hand, just waiting to receive and write down whatever he would say. But unlike breathing and unlike eating, especially eating, I was going to say, like, 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 we don't have, like, indicators to say it's time to do that. But we do. Like, when we eat, we get hungry. Our, our, our body begins to tell us, yo, man, we need some sustenance. But those cues, spiritually and relationally, perhaps aren't as obvious to us. I mean, how much stress, anxiety, frustration, complication, tension do we endure and continue to walk out without going, okay, man, maybe I need to spend a moment receiving from the one who is the Prince of Peace that can help me, like, put to rest a lot of these things, find a new baseline, find his plumb line, and then take a few more steps. Again, what do you need to do this week? I know that for me, after reading this, after being in this passage for a moment, one thing I need to do this week is not just have a quiet time, not just make sure I start my day in God's presence or in prayer, but I'm literally going to like sit down, cross-legged on the floor with a journal open and my Bible open. I'm going to read one chapter, and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to have to say, like I'm listening. And leave it at that, fresh and anew with a new appetite for what he might actually say in that moment, right? Mary, last but not least, verse 39. Martha had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. I want us to see a couple of things here in Mary's activity that are just so great for us as we begin to prepare for that time in Jesus' presence. One is she has seated herself. So we see surrender. We see humility. We also see like putting everything else aside. Um, that's one of the reasons why I really do encourage like, you know, like airplane mode during this space, even during worship, if you're able to. Like if you have a job, you have to be on call, that's a little bit different. I mean, there's just something about what God could do here now. 
over at like the healing place now or in El Paso now or wherever churches meet all across the globe. There's something wonderfully eternal that's happening in our midst. And I don't want to miss it. And I think we see that in Mary's posture. I mean, she's even like resigned her body, her schedule, her everything. She has stilled herself in a beautiful way. And then it says that she's continually listening. So from a, like the, the sponge illustration perspective, man, not only opened up her mind and her heart, but also her soul and her body. She's just ready to receive. The greatest gift that any living thing can give another is their complete attention. Think about it in this day and age. How difficult it is to maintain eye contact. Or not do the phone check, right? You, you, you know what I'm talking about, the phone dip, right? So having the conversation, Nikki, that's so great. Man, how, whoop, I mean, I mean or like you know, the watch, the little watch dip, whoop. My grandmother, she said she used to wear her watch like this so that she could sit and like just so, like she could do this like, little glance. <laughs> Sneaky watch dip. The greatest gift any living being can give another is their complete attention. Man, I feel inspired. Perhaps maybe we can give our complete attention to Jesus this week. Perhaps that can become a new rhythm of nutrition for us as we fill up, ready as a sponge to go and like squeeze out on the world around us. And check it out. When you give your complete attention to something, it begins to speak some incredible things, communicate some incredible things as you do it. Here are three that I'm going to highlight quickly. Three truths that our complete attention will communicate. One, you are of value. You are worth my attention. Now, I'll confess, I wrote these to empower you to realize, like, when you give your complete attention to your spouse, to your friend, to a coworker, give your complete attention to somebody who's ringing you out at the grocery store. You're going to say, man, you are, worth, you are valuable. In Jesus' presence, so we're saying, Jesus, Lord, you are worthy. Mary is saying, Jesus, you are worthy. I am seated, I'm still, because you are worthy. You're also going to say that they are unique. You're telling other people, man, your story has details that are different from mine. You're affirming their particular narrative and all the wonderful things that God is doing and redeeming in their created an imperfect life. When it comes to Jesus, we are saying, Lord, you are holy. You are truly set apart. The one only God, perfect and wise. And number three, important. I can learn from you. Like the converse of this number three is humility. Like it's, it's, it's a gesture of humility. Others first. You first. My complete attention says I'm listening to understand, right? Not listening to retort. We've heard that before, right? But like, and we're saying, wow, what you had to say is important. Who you are is important. Jesus, you are wise. You are the one who's like the perfecter and the author of my faith. 
You are the one who is like redeeming and like finishing those things that are imperfect and need tying up in my life, a resolution. So there are divine applications as well as daily applications here. But please realize, my goodness, perhaps one of the most like greatest commodities on the planet in any time, but certainly in our time, is our complete attention. Let's spend it well this week. All right, so three ways that we can walk this out before we leave today. Uh, and I'll ask Yoni to come on up and begin to play. Number one, let's actively welcome others. Let's take, um, take a note from Martha's incredible gesture of hospitality. And whether it is in our homes or at our desks or in our cars, be cognizant and welcoming of other folks that are around us. Number two, man, let's schedule time in his presence. And again, don't put a task on your to-do list. I need to have a quiet time. I must pray to the Lord. No, I mean like, God, can I, man, can I have 30 minutes just to listen? What's beautiful is like, he's never going to say no. He's never going to say no. He would be delighted to have 30 minutes of your undivided attention. And I'm pretty sure, being the sovereign God of all creation and all, he's going to maximize that time and deposit something incredibly wonderful for you that you can even then take and like give to someone else. Let's seize that. I want to seize that and schedule time in his presence this week. And let's be intentional and generous with our attention. I'm here to tell you, man, like there's nothing like eye contact. It's genuinely, biologically good for us. And it communicates. I mean, unless you like, look at them, don't, don't give them the stink eye like, I mean, like, and then they'll be like, what's wrong with me? I don't make sure that your eyes are open and warm and receiving and welcoming. And man, but let's, let's, let's give our attention to those that the Lord would give to us this week. Let's give our attention to Him.